בוקר טוב. רב, אתה שומע אותנו? Hello, can you hear us? Yes, I do. Dudi will join us in a moment. He has a problem on his computer. So let's start our Raiders meeting. And the first item for today, Shelly, please. Yeah, the president's speech about uniting the nation. At the beginning of the week, the president of Israel spoke and asked both sides in the country, the right and the left, to bridge the gaps between them. These are crucial times for the people of Israel. Both sides need to understand that if only one side wins, we will all lose. We're not, a political de- we're not in a political debate anymore, but on the brink of a constitutional and social collapse, the biggest challenge of all is preserving Israel as one nation. Yesterday, also, there was a strike in a part of the, some parts of the economy, those that are against the constitutional revolution. Some decided not to go to work, but protest. And we wanted to ask you, in light of the stormy atmosphere going on here in Israel, are we really one nation? It seems like there are two nations here, completely different. And, you know, this was just a trigger to show what we really think about each other. By our foundations, we are not one nation, but a collection of many nations and groups, a gathering of many nations and groups. And therefore, we can't be tied to each other like the French, for example, are, or the English, or it doesn't matter who, like any other nation. They, too, went through different integrations, and they took into their nation other people, too, but they all mixed. And today, who knows where, who came from where. And even if they do, it doesn't really stand in their way. It doesn't bother them. Whereas we can't, because our root is to unite up to the point where we truly become as one and integrate in the Creator that is one. And therefore, until we will understand our foundation and the purpose of our existence, we'll have no rest and we will always be under the pressure of the upper force and the rest of the nations of the world as well. And therefore, everything that goes on, it's irrelevant whether it goes now on now through the judicial system or through something else, will always have problems with our existence, with our unity, with understanding, because we don't want to abide by the law of nature. That is above all the differences, and in us, these are very big and crucial differences. I'd say philosophical, psychological differences that are very essential, meaningful. And until we understand our source and our purpose, 
we will not be able to even come close to any kind of mutual understanding between us. You said that we're actually a collection, a gathering of many nations, right? The 70 nations of the world. They were all in Babylon. They all heard what Abraham spoke. And some of them did accept these things and start working on their unification, on their connection, positive connection. And afterwards saw that it's impossible, and so they left it altogether. But until they left it, they went through many different changes in their development, Uh, first of all in Babylon, then in Egypt, then in the desert, etc., etc. And so here we see that even though that we're called Jews, a single nation, and maybe this also how we're accepted by the nations of the world, but we don't feel that we belong to a single root. So what ties these people? Once we listened to Abraham, we went to, uh, they went to his tent. They were maybe in a different state. Maybe they were pure people, smarter than us. Why are we still connected to each other today? Let each one find the place that's good for them. So, again, if so, we need to divide at least into, like, the 12 tribes, or I don't know how to put it. But where are we going to go? We're going to divide into what and where. Each feels that he belongs to something else, different than the others. After the mixture of all of these actions that history made with us, we are incapable of seeing ourselves as belonging to something that's one nation. We're not like other nations, and we can't take an example for from them. We need to take only our foundations and try and keep them, and then at least we'll come closer to becoming one nation. So where are we going to take the aspiration from if we were never united, we were never a part of the same nation, wars between Jews accompanied us all throughout history, where will we take the aspiration, inspiration for to be one nation? Only from the propagation of this idea, we have no other place to take it from. We need to propagate the idea of the unification of the nation. This is the only thing that we need to talk about, be drawn to, and to understand that we have no other way to exist. How would you solve the problem today, the the situation where everyone says that the country's on fire? How would you resolve the situation? I would nevertheless um, put an emphasis 
put an emphasis only on the education of the nation, only education, broad, deep education in the masses to the entire nation about its roots, its goals, and then gradually, gradually, I'd push the entire nation to its form, to the shape that they need to take on one way or another. In a good or in a bad way, nonetheless, we will need to reach connection and become one nation. The Jewish people is a very cynical people. They relate with cynicism to the idea of unity. Yeah, you know, it's nice, but come on. Do you see what's going on? It won't work. So how are we supposed to relate to the cynicism, sarcasm, because there's a real wall between the idea of unity and the nation in practice, de facto? I think that we have no choice and that explanation actually needs to be the only way. Needs to be the only way for correction. The separation today is not just in the streets. It's practically in every family. Saturday Eve, I'm sitting with my brothers and sisters and we can barely talk to each other because the rift is so deep that there is fear that anyone might say a word and everything would, uh, will explode. So my big sister is shutting everyone up in advance, telling us don't dare talk. So we're sitting there looking what to talk about. So how should we deal with the bomb ticking between us? Should we neutralize talk about it, not talk about it, allow it to explode. We need to neutralize the bomb for now. But to know that it's ticking and that we need to learn what does connection mean and precisely among the people of Israel, which is completely not the same thing as in any other nation. So you're saying that not to talk about sensitive things, not to talk about politics, who's right, who's wrong, to know that it's ticking, leave it aside and talk about unity, and talk about unity. And how can we approach this? Meaning, we don't... We don't put the topic itself aside because the the topic of separation is something that pains everyone, that is clear to everyone. But what we're talking about is about nature, about the upper force, about why is it that we were gathered from all the 70 nations of the world this way and why do we need to reach a state where from all the 70 nations of the world in us, we actually come to be one nation that is entirely directed toward the upper force. To sit and think together about solutions for the situation and to think how do we connect. This needs to be really the way that we need to learn to be brought up, raised, educated, 
talk about it. It has to be in trustworthy hands, in the hands of those who understand that connection here is a must. As the most important, most exalted point, and there is no compromise. It is forbidden for anyone to think that their opinion will win, will dominate. Why is the evil revealed among us so powerfully, precisely today? In history, we once again came to the same cycle where we need to solve the problem. Bala Sulam writes about it, Rabash, other Kabbalists. We're going in such circles, we're making these kinds of cycles, and every once in a while we reach a point in the cycle that's very hot, painful, that really pricks us. We're like at a peak, relatively, relatively. We're given opportunities from above every time. Once by blows, went through by other confusions. Now it's not necessarily a critical state because no one is going against us really in a way that, you know, openly wanting to destroy us or something. No. But the nations of the world. Uh, it's because we don't give each other any rest. Our problem, in short, is explaining, explanation. So how are we going to get deal with all the evil, That's all the bad? You, you see people aggravated in hate toward each other, right, left. How do we take all this energy and turn it into good energy of connection? Only through propagation. The nation needs to understand that it has no choice and we need to explain to the people what is their situation right now, what do they need to come to according to the upper plan, and what do they have to choose from? It's known that there are forces from outside the country that are inciting the dispute. They admit that they're the ones inciting the protests, pouring money into it. Why are we playing into their hands? Why don't we just say, hey, they're, they're inciting us against each other. Let's stop for a moment. We can't stop anything, but to the contrary. The more we go against each other within Israel, within the people of Israel, we only encourage all of these movements that are against us. They're all anti-Semites. They all want to destroy Israel, and we can't do anything about it. But there's just one thing. By dissemination, by explanation, we need to elevate ourselves. We need to elevate our connection above all the opposites. And then we'll succeed. Thank you. Okay, moving on to our next item.
This week, a well-known Turkish actor published a post thanking the Israeli rescue teams that worked to rescue trapped people from the ruins in Turkey, but the actor's millions of fans did not like his sympathetic attitude and wrote angrily, how do you thank these infidels, Jews, shame on you, and slandered the state of Israel on the way, obviously. If it were Jews that are coming to gain something at the expense of the victims, that's clear. But how is it possible to have hate against the Israeli rescue teams who came to help the Turkish people in their time of difficulty? We have no choice. We need to do it, to go and help. We have to understand that until we arrange ourselves from within, we will have no rest from the outside either. And the hate and the rejection from all nations is something that we will um, feel with no ease. And so what I see on part of the Turkish people, I don't see something terrible, but it's simply a lack of explanation. As simple as that. This is what we need to take into account and to carry on. Propagation would have canceled the hate. No, no. Uh, because the root is not in that. The root is in that we can't be together. We, the Jews, once we reach a state where we become a single nation, even though that we're not a nation, but we are a collection of nations, a gathering of nations, as a result, it will influence all the nations of the world and all will come to peace. But still, it's unclear why when Israeli soldiers rescued children from the ruins a few days after, still that they're not sympathetic to this action. The hate against us precedes everything because we are at the root of the problem of the world. Despite the hate against us, does Israel need to continue offering help and showing solidarity with the suffering of other people? Nations? Yeah. Yes. Even though that we're yelled at, cursed, etc., etc., nonetheless, we need to show them that we want only good for them, to their benefit. And still, they're discontent with the good. With the good. Look, there's nothing we can do. We're to blame. We are the ones to blame for sawing in all nations hate against each other. How are we sawing this hate if we're coming to help? Because we are not connecting with each other? And what will really cause the Turkish or any other nation in the world to really appreciate us? Only by us connecting with each other. Okay. Okay. Moving on to our next item. Uh, cancellation of Twin Cities Agreement between Barcelona and Tel Aviv. 
The mayor of Barcelona, Barcelona, Ada Colau, canceled last week the Twin Cities alliance with Tel Aviv and at the same time informed Prime Minister Netanyahu that we will not maintain relations with his government but with Palestinian entities for the sake of peace. Behind the initiative are also BDS activists and extreme left parties. On the other hand, following Barcelona's boycott on Israel in Madrid, they announced the opposite step. The mayor of Madrid proposed to make Tel Aviv a twin city of the capital in Spain. However, the incitement against Israel in the field escalated in Madrid as well. Israel's ambassador to Spain, Rodica Gordon, was attacked by several dozens of pro-Palestinian activists during her lecture at a university in Madrid. The Israeli diplomat had to evacuate, to be evacuated to a secure room. So our question is, what do you think about the cancellation of the Twin Cities Agreement between Barcelona and Tel Aviv? I am sure that in the future, uh, if, if things won't change, this is how it's going to be with the rest of the world too. That all nations eventually, the more we develop, the more will they acknowledge the hate, deep root hate that they have against Israel, even though that they will not be able to discover where does it come from. And the more we will want to explain it to them, it will nonetheless be very hard, but it's forbidden for us to neglect it. Why do you think that it will be in other cities too? Is it something that's uh, in general, in, in the entire world? We will reach a state where the entire world will hate us. Really as one. In one heart. In a single emotion. What do you think are the implications of the cancellation of the Twin Cities? Look, I don't know. It's a cultural, diplomatic matter. I don't know. It's, uh, that's how it is. It's not important. No one takes it into consideration. Right now, there are relations and, well, okay, probably, you know, it will change. So, last year, Catalonia's parliament made a decision that defines Israel as an apartheid state. Does it mean that the hate against Israel is escalating? Could be that this what we'll feel in Spain. Because this part of Europe, it's a very extreme part. They have the Catholics there and the church is stronger there. Recently you had their fascists. And so it's still pretty fresh 
the entire attitude toward Jews, which he had in the days of Hitler. Spain is a country in which Jews are about 0.1% of the population. And still there is exaggerated consent to to anti-Semitic stereotypes. Why does it happen, even though there are few Jews? It doesn't really matter the number of Jews in the country. What's important is its history and how deeply is it rooted in the nature of the people of the nation. And so, yes, Spain is a very special, hot country in relation to Israel. Spain is actually a country that has deep, profound Jewish and Muslim roots. How does it influence or affect the relations with Israel? Precisely because of that, precisely because of the ancient roots uh, that are very multifaceted. Yeah. Anti-Semitism exists all throughout Spain. So why precisely in Catalonia, in that area, the hate against Israel is uh, more... Why did it stand out more in that area? Yeah, I know, I understand, I'm familiar with these areas. Nothing you can do. There, the people are more extreme, more religious. The attack against Israeli representatives, like like with the ambassador, does it mean that all boundaries were breached? There's, I think that until we come to real corrections through our interconnection, correction, Nothing will change. We all the time say, but 200 years ago, 2,000 years ago, it's not a matter of years. It does not change. But there are waves. But eventually, everything is in our hands. You're talking about the roots in Spain because of the history of the Jewish people in Spain. There's the hate that's so conspicuous. Is it because of religion? Because Is it because of something else? Well, it's the, the background is the same background. The difference is sometimes in terms of times, relations, but it's the same. Nothing changes. There's nothing new under the sun, and the hate against Jews continues because it is rooted in a much deeper place in the foundation of the world. Here there is another element that it's against Israel, that the anti-Semitism is hidden behind uh, their criticism against Israel, which kind of gives them a seal of a proof to 
incite against Israel. Uh, no, we have no point in thinking about Israel, the state of Israel, the people of Israel disappearing. We have a historical designation that we have to come to soon, in a good way, in a bad way, but we need to come to it one way or another. The question is, why do we need to drag on this process more and more until we'll learn only from the blows? Do we really need to promote good relations with other countries and cities, or do we need to disregard them because we won't make anyone happy one way or another? We need to disregard everything besides our correction. Besides that. It doesn't matter to us, and we saw it for hundreds and hundreds of years, that to us it's not important how do we behave toward other nations. But what's important is how, what stands behind our actions, our intentions, If we act in order to bring to the world, in order to bring unity and peace to the world from us, then it will happen. So that's the problem that we're putting too much effort to persuade others that we're good instead of, first of all, persuading ourselves that we need to reach connection. Instead of explaining to the world that all the problems are because we, the Jews, are bad, we want to convince the world that we, the Jews, are good. And as if it turns out that the nations of the world are bad. So when they say, like, uh, look, yourselves are saying that you're responsible for everything, that you're to blame for everything, so it's not like we're anti-Semites? Yeah, it seems as though we're anti-Semites. True. That we really hate the measure of the ego in us that does not allow us to connect. And therefore... It can't pass from us to the rest of the nations of the world. Thank you very much. Very well. I hear you saying that we have a historic um, designation of reaching, becoming one nation, united. The state of Israel, this entity, how critical is it for will, will it be cancelled won't it what's important is for us to be united first and foremost that's that's the thing that's the problem if we are going to be together regardless the framework it's in the way that it's accepted among the nations of the world the UN whatever it's not important these are all calculations made by the socialists. So the concern for the country is 
less than the concern for the unity of the people. Yes. Okay, moving on to our next topic, a correlation or the relationship interdependence between natural disasters. Al-Arav, while the world is still trying to understand the dimensions of the disaster of the earthquake in Turkey and Syria, which has claimed thus far 30,000 victims and even more than twice as many people who were suddenly made destitute, along with it continues to rage the war in Ukraine, which has been going on for about a year now. We want to understand Is there a connection or correlation between disasters or crises happening in the world? Of course there's a connection, but it's not a direct connection that we can see it uh, with our eyes. Look, the evil is multifaceted. It can be revealed in many ways. And we need to identify that man's evil inclination is the reason for all the evil in its different manifestations. And therefore, this what happens. We also see the relations between the Ukrainians, Russians, Jews, how much the Ukrainians, as much as the Ukrainians hate the Jews, far more than the Russians do. Still, Look at how they act, how they relate to Jews and how Jews relate to them. I don't know. I also don't want to say what I think about how I think it will end. But the solution is something that we need to search for all the time. Just to understand, is it possible that um, a disaster evokes another disaster, that one kind of disaster can, uh, can make another disaster of a different kind happen in a different place? Yeah, it's like a person that's ill. Suddenly there are different problems in different places in the body, as if, even though that there is as if no connection between them. Why? Because in general, the body's weak. And then in different places... You start feeling weakness. So an, an eruption of war or an earthquake in one place is a symptom of a deeper weakness. Yeah? Of what? What is this weakness? Of disintegration? What disintegrates exactly? Israel needs to give everyone the method of the right, proper connection of the inner nature that exists in the inner nature, 
up to the point of love another as yourself. And if they don't, and they don't strengthen in this direction at all, then what follows is that the world bends to the other side against it. So our scrutiny as a society in light of disasters of different kinds, does it need to be different or how should it be different or is it the same? Disasters of different kinds that will be, will be because of that, that there is no unity in the world on the levels of the still, vegetative, animate, and especially on the speaking human degree. And this is what we need to see. Therefore, we have the ability to correct. We need every day, everywhere, in every place in the world to think about correction. And then we'll see how it is all approaching good. That's all there is to say about this. We need to try. I want to ask about the victims of the disasters. After the disaster is over, the war is over, the earthquakes over, and they cleaned the ruins and counted the victims, still, what remains is many, many people that drag these scars with them all along. How do we as a society how do we need to accompany them, think about them? Or is it what? It joins the general suffering of the world. You're asking precisely in relation to the people of Israel? No, I'm, I'm asking about every nation, about the world in general. What is the attitude toward those people that bear the scars of these disasters with them? Were we properly arranged, then we would really think about the Turkish people, for example, in that place, and everyone would help them. And thus, any time that some crucial upper force affects a certain nation. But we still don't have something like that. That's how it is, and that's how it will be. Does Israel have a special role in this work of thinking about the victims for us, the work is an explanation and propagation because no one has the approach, the truth, the foundation that we can explain things for what they truly are based on the Torah, based on the wisdom of Kabbalah, based on our history, 
based on everything that we have. No other nation has this ability. So what is our role in explaining in our explanation in relation to these kinds of disasters exactly what we're talking about now? Who's to blame? Why to blame? How to help the people of Israel? How can we help each other? How to help the people of Israel, which are the source of the problem? That true, that this is how it is, but surely we need to explain it to the nations of the world and how to do it together, how to make the corrections together, because all in all, our purpose will be felt in us together. Uh, the chat GPT revolution. In recent months, a new technological trend called chat GPT, a model of creative AI, has been operating on the Internet. It can write texts and articles, prepare seminar papers, answer questions, and more. For example, you can ask the boat to describe the robot to describe the development of the world to receive according to the great Bala Sulam, and it will write it in seconds. Or you can even ask it to write you a summary of the Hundred Years' War in the style of Hemingway and his Hemingway's style of writing, and you'll get it. So it does different creative things. So the question is, where were, where, where will AI take humanity in the coming years? I don't know. I do not know. I think that here it is still an initial introduction to AI, to the measure to which it can broaden our horizons and show us what can it show us. I don't know. It depends on what level do we want to know our future on. Do you see this development as something positive, that it's now coming in this stage, or is it to our detriment? I see it as something very positive. If we will skip over a few obstacles that we have on the way. Like what? That, first of all, we won't uh, want to develop weapons and make problems for others by its use. Why are all these very advanced technologies becoming revealed in mankind now? I think that simply the time has come where all of man's force, he discovers it both from the good and the bad perspective, and more or less he keeps the balance between the good and bad, man meaning. We will not be let to immediately use it to our detriment, but 
through ever-growing suffering in circles, we will learn how good it would be were we to use it for the good, and eventually, even if we use it for the detriment, to our detriment, but it will be a lesson. Suppose, hypothetically speaking, we will work with it in a good way. How would you use AI in order to bring people closer to spirituality or to build a better world? We have plenty of opportunities. Starting with wanting to change the climate and the ties between us, and the processes that we, uh, in which we move merchandise and fuel, etc., etc., and up to where we really prepare a development, a good development for ourselves for years to come. We can depict to ourselves the work, the life that's waiting for our children. It needs to be something completely different than where we are. If AI will eventually replace all of man's creativity, creation, industry, whatever, will generate much easier ways to do it. So, where is man's, what is the place of man's creativity then? The place of man will be then to be an expert in relation to what the machine does. And it is much harder, complicated, and will demand of us much more mental strength, efforts. Can you elaborate on the expert's work? At the end of the day, we need to understand philosophy and history and first and foremost Kabbalah and all other wisdoms and the implications of their use in order to examine nature and to see where is it pulling us? My question is, will it not make our intellect wither? Or will it bring us to, because the machine does everything, or will it bring us to a new way of thinking? I am sure that eventually it will bring us to good thinking. Because eventually the machine does everything for me. It invents the solutions, the bright ideas, making the ties that my brain can't. So doesn't it kind of like shrink our brain? Oh, we're confused between creator and the machine. What will the machine never be able to replace man in? 
a machine can't replace man in how to say I can't find the word. It's providence. I can't answer. The soul. No, 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 no. Let's continue. Okay, moving on to our next topic. Heroin on demand. The province of British Columbia, one of the largest provinces in Canada, recently declared the non-criminalization criminalization of the use of possession of hard drugs for personal consumption. Uh, it means that drugs such as heroin, cocaine, um, morphine, pentanil, methamphetamines, and more have become legal for personal use without any supervision. The supervision is only about the amount, but as long as it's un, as long as it's for personal use, no problem. You can use it. British Columbia is all the area of Vancouver, Western Canada. The decision is for, it's temporary, but it will be reviewed again after three years. So how do you see addiction to drugs and the legalization of drugs, hard drugs as well, in today's society? I don't know if it's bad. I uh, can't say. Seems to me that it could actually be for the better. Why? Because I'll tell you. One way or another, it's used the world over in different ways who knows who by whom and how and so I don't think that they're doing it without understanding what they're doing and thinking it through and without doing the math and therefore it doesn't seem to me that it doesn't seem to me that they did it just so. The Canadians, they're such that it's several different cultures, but relatively modern. 
And I think that they probably did the right thing for them. I can't say let's do the same for all of humanity because it doesn't suit all of humanity. You can't simply include everyone in it. But what the Canadians do is that, yeah, could be that there is some rationale to it. But here we're not talking about marijuana or hush, but we're talking about hard drugs. How can a person function socially if he's all the time on heroin, cocaine? I don't know, Chaim, you're asking me things that I'm completely not related to and not even close to. Once I heard you say that Kabbalah is against the use of drugs because drugs disconnect the person from reality, which does not allow him to advance toward the purpose of creation. So, in this regard, what does it mean that now it's legal and accessible for everyone? And so what? So you have a big, broad world and a small part of the world, suppose 5%, are disconnected from life. They're given drugs and they use them. And what? So it doesn't seem as something... No, no. It's going to happen one way or another. Do you think that this is something that will spread, or is it just local? Because it's not only in Western Canada. It's in Western... Uh, it's in, uh, you have it in San Francisco. The municipality even provides them with drugs. Yeah, I know, the entire Western part. Is there something about that geographical area that makes people be that way? Could be. Could be. Do you see something like that spreading in the rest of the world, or is it local? There are places where... No. Where, no, it won't spread. It won't be bought. There are places where it will. Drugs is something that's rooted in human nature. There are those that are drawn to it, and there are those that are not. There are those that feel no closeness to it whatsoever. So you're saying that it's just a phenomena that probably won't especially spread. It seems to me that it's going to be on... Uh, Small fire all the time. And that's how it was, too. And all in all, nothing really happened. So you're saying maybe it's better for it to be legal, and that's that. Yeah. Okay. Who do we have? Who are we left with? Uh, Shelly, our last topic for today, the TikTok terror. 
During the riots in Israel in 2021, there was a tight connection between terrorism and social networks. Uh, a phenomenon that received the journalistic nickname TikTok Intifada or TikTok Terror. TikTok is a social network where you upload short videos that become in times very popular. And now in light of the wave of terrorism in recent weeks where Jews are murdered every week, security forces report a drastic, uh, they report a drastic uh, increase in the amount of incitement against Israel on Palestinian social network videos that encourage terrorism and harming Jews get millions of views what eventually pushes young people as young as 13 and 14 years old to go out and perform terror attacks against Jews becoming with the hope of becoming stars on social media what can be done against this phenomenon nothing you can do by the law and by law we can make laws stricter but only act according to the law the problem is that TikTok is a Chinese social media. There are not too many rules or laws there, no censorship. No, we don't need to go to TikTok or different other such networks. We need to only do the math and to bring solutions. How are we going to uproot this from the nation in general. So, so Israel needs to legislate stricter laws against terrorism? Yeah. You know, many times it's said that nothing frightens terrorists because if death doesn't frighten you, what will? So what laws would you do you think that will be effective in relation to terror? Terror? What do you mean? I told you what. Against terror, use terror. Okay. So this probably answers the following question as well, that they teach Arabs to hate from age zero here in Israel. So it's something that we can't change the education itself, but only to have a strong arm against terror. Yeah. Just to ask one more question about propagation. Practically all of your answers and many times we hear about we need to explain and explain and explain. To take you 20 years back, when I only came to study Kabbalah, there was this young guy from the Scoop newspaper that used to weekly interview you. That was the beginning of dissemination. And in one of the explanations, you explained to him that when someone wants to come to a gang and educate them, he can't preach. And, but he needs to be the biggest, act out as the biggest criminal, get into the group, make them follow him, and then gradually start pulling them in the direction of good. And I remember that this is also how 
Bina enters Malchut at some point it like pretends, hides itself, so to speak. True. I feel that in our dissemination, we have a real hard time doing it. We're like coming from the outside as those that know that we have a very different way of thinking. And then our dissemination is blocked because of it. It's harder to... You're blaming me for it or yourself? No, myself. Absolutely. So right in a way, so right in that way, that manner. That's what I wanted to ask. Do you think that we, in our dissemination, need to be more like that uh, instructor, teenage instructor that acts out as if he's a part of that gang? Or are we, what are we doing? What are we doing okay there? Okay. No, no, what are we doing wrong? What you're doing wrong is that you are not pulling them to your thought. How do you pull people to this thought? How do you do it correctly? Here, this is... uh, That's the artistry. All the artistry. How to approach your enemy, your hater, so that they will open your ears, open their ears to hear you, and then that their heart will open to you, and then for them to come closer embrace you, and then you can continue with them and turn them into your lover. So we understand the messages, we're immersed in them, even if we can't implement them fully, like we should maybe, but we do understand them. Do you think that we maybe need to invest more in working on the connection, connecting our pipeline to the public and there in the place of identification, of sympathizing with or could be, I don't know. I don't know. It's not my business. I don't get into it for quite some time. I don't know. But we need to think. Maybe in a few weeks I'll have a clear mind and I'll be able to arrange my thoughts in this direction. You justfully sent us to take a look at ourselves from the, from this perspective. What's the connection between what should what needs to be the connection between the raiders in order to be successful in our dissemination? Yes, Lachem. You have many people that write that read what you write. And therefore you need to 
Sim. How to make it so that they'll want you, that they'll accept you, that maybe they'll be against, but that you will be a part of the talk, that you'll be in the playground, part of the conversation. This is what I want to wish you and for you to succeed at it. Good luck to you. All the best. And see you in a week. Mm-hmm.